Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 862, with Peter Wynn. Because I believe, like, anybody that's really trying to chase something, and if you're struggling, it's, it's easy to, like, be frustrated and give up on what you're doing. But literally, no, sometimes it's part of the journey. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And I have to say, I haven't come across a restaurateur using Seven Shifts that hasn't been completely satisfied. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communications, tasks, tips, and more all in one place. And because you are restaurant on Unstoppable listeners, you get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven, S-H-I-F-T-S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission-free online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering, and this is because Chow Now helps their restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. With Chow Now, take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site, and there are no setup fees or monthly payments. And what I really love about Chow Now is that you get to own your customer data. This is something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And when you schedule a demo, don't forget to ask about leveling up with Chow Now Direct, Chow Now's comprehensive online ordering and marketing package. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up today at chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Talk to the Manager. Nowadays, people don't want to speak face-to-face. They rather communicate via text message and keep it anonymous. Talk to the Manager allows guests to share feedback or ask questions in a way that makes them feel comfortable and is convenient to you. And I think the most valuable aspect of Talk to the Manager is that you give people an opportunity to vent before they go public and write a negative review. Sometimes people just want to be heard and Talk to the Manager gives them that opportunity to be heard. Plus, you don't have to worry about your information being shared. Customers won't see your personal phone number, just the phone number that Talk to the Manager provides. Also, with Talk to the Manager, it's like having a secret shopper. People will tell you any issues they come across at your restaurants, whether you want to hear them or not, but they'll be brought to your attention and that will help you improve your business. Show your guests you care enough to listen with Talk to the Manager. Head to talktothemanager.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your 60-day trial. What up, Unstoppables? We have a great show for you today, but a quick reminder that this podcast needs your support, and one of the ways you can support the show is by 
supporting our affiliates. The tools and services our guests are recommending organically every day. In one of those tools and services is Bento Box, and I am a Bento Box affiliate. So if you guys are in the need of a restaurant website solution, I highly recommend Bento Box, a very robust yet simple solution. Uh, and every restaurant needs a website. So why not support the show? Use my links. And uh, if you head over to the show notes, um, we'll be sure to have a link to Bento Box over there waiting for you. So today we're talking to a very inspiring man. This is a guy who had zero restaurant experience. He grew up in his family's business. His, his parents would uh, take over gas stations. I think his dad actually worked for a company who would take over gas stations and they would kind of turn it around and uh, add some management to it. And he grew up working for his dad. And one of these gas stations had an adjacent restaurant space. And they were going to use the restaurant space to do the traditional po' boy. Uh, but this guest had a different idea. He wanted to put his own spin on it. He wanted to do something special. He wanted to stand out. And he did that. And in 2015, uh, when he kind of took over that segment of the business, he slowly started to take more and more control over the business. And seven years later, he is franchising. Uh, that's how this guy works. Uh, the name of the company is Bami Boys, a very clever play on the New Orleans traditional po' boy. And he is doing amazing things. They're, they're actually a a combination, uh, like a mashup, a, a fusion of Vietnamese and New Orleans dining. Uh, so kind of clever name there, Bami Boys. And man, these things... Everything that he's putting out of this kitchen is delicious. He got to feed us, and we were very lucky. And I say we, another little plug here. If you guys uh, did not know, I had company on this trip. Savannah and Sam from SavandSam.com joined me to do some videography and some photography and some help with social media. These guys are awesome. So if you're looking for a solution, do be sure to reach out to them. I just can't say thank you enough to Savannah and Sam for joining me on this trip. Um, and I'm going to be mentioning them a lot during the next six episodes because they they were there the whole time so uh, with no further ado here he is peter win with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest chef owner of bomb me boys peter win peter are you feeling unstoppable today of course i'm yeah. feeling unstoppable dude I'm- you should feel unstoppable <laughs> it's crazy I, I, and I, whenever i come across people who have had the same amount of success you've had without any prior experience in the industry, dude, that's motivational. That like, that's exciting. You're absolutely unstoppable and I can't wait to find out why, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? What I got, what I got is if you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. If you're tired of starting over, stop giving up. I've never heard that one and I love it. Get into why that resonates with you. Uh, because I believe like anybody that's really trying to chase something and obviously if something is your goal and if you're struggling, it's, it's easy to like be frustrated and give up on what you're doing. But literally, no, sometimes as part of the journey, you're like that much closer. Something might happen the next month to where it happens for you. So people, it's for people that want to give up, but all the, I just, it's just the thing to tell them to keep pushing, to reach it. I love it, man. And it kind of reminds me, I thought you were going to say, there's that one quote that came to my mind as you were saying that. It's like, um, 
if you don't have time to do it right the first time, what makes you think you'll be able to do it right the second time or something like that? Which isn't where you went with it, but <laughs> it just came into my mind and I wanted to, to share it just to, I don't know, throw more motivation out there. Um, so your story, man, uh, where does it make sense to start sharing it? Uh, what were you doing before Bomb E-Boys? What was I doing? I was doing, for the most part, I mean, um, I grew up uh, in the family business. Uh, my dad was in the oil industry um down here he worked uh, i believed there's a company he worked for that owned gas stations and they would send them there to uh work at the gas station because the gas station would own the gas station sell the oil there and he would help run the the convenience store part and then he kind of worked his way up into uh owning his own and then when he had kids he had the kids come in and uh as a staff. So I got four brothers. <laughs> I, well, I have four, including me. So I'm the youngest of four. Okay. So yeah, we all grew up. I started working at 11 years old as a bag boy. And then as I got older, cashier, stock, all that, pretty much running these stores. So this company that he worked for, would they, would they own, like, would they acquire gas stations and then go I'm, in and kind of like flip them? Like, like find like a good location, a uh, good vent, like a good venue, like, like a restaurant venue would be and say, this has potential. Let's, let's acquire it and kind of, give it a facelift well, let's send mr win in because he knows how to to turn around and run a, a tight ship like what I, was going i on? believe so I, I don't know too much of details but i believe it's somewhere in that realm of yeah it wasn't yeah. like one brand like 7-eleven that was all over the place so it was different types of brands yes okay that's interesting um and your dad was basically like a regional manager where he would go or would he be how long i, I would, would he, say operational for the businesses i mean but for those uh convenience stores or whatever it would be uh, that has gas pumps. Okay, so would what would like give me an example of like um a store that he would go into and how like would he be there for like a year or two or like what was like a general life cycle for your dad at, at a location? A general life cycle. Um, I don't know. Like again, I don't know too much details about the early stages, but I know it would probably be maybe six months to a year, and then he'll probably get somebody else in and then move on to another location to kind of build it up. Yeah. So what I suspect, the reason why I'm, I'm super curious about your dad right now, I'm sure your mom, she was a part of the, she worked there too or no? Uh, she was in the nail business. Okay. Uh, she did nails and then ended up owning a nail salon and other stuff like that. Okay. So you do come from a family of entrepreneurs. So yeah. I, I was like, I'm thinking to myself, there's gotta be some, somewhere where they got the inspiration. And it, it sounds like for you, the, the structure you got to set you up for success came from your parents. But I also don't want to make assumptions. No, for sure. That's exactly 100%. Okay. So let's look at your dad and your mom separately and kind of figure out, like, what did they teach you about business? Like, what did you learn through that experience? Like, when did you start working for them? Uh, like I said, I started working at 11. They put us in there. And um, basically, not until probably I got uh, closer to uh, senior in high school, you know, they put more responsibilities of, you know, uh, buying inventory, um, basically managing these locations for them. And that's where um, where the business started, really. Okay. Um, so, again, you said your dad would go, the company that he worked for, were they basically buy gas stations? Were they failing gas stations that they were flipping or turn, turn, turn around? You don't know anything about uh, that? No. Okay. So how many different gas stations did you work at with your dad before opening? How old were you when you opened Bobby boys? Uh, 26. Okay. Uh, so a solid, uh, 15 years working for your dad before opening your own business. And were, were your parents partners in Bobby boys? 
originally it was the uh their location i was there to help them it's kind of like um because i as a cook in there and then things shifted to where i tried to introduce my concept uh, they're too traditional to understand my concept and traditional then, in the sense of traditional to new orleans or to oh, well, traditional as in Vietnamese. as in like the fusion concept okay yeah they like uh they didn't want to do anything new they wanted to sell Oh, like what? St- what's stick the, to what's what been done? Works. Yeah, what's been done before? Because yeah. it's less risk. Yeah. Okay. So, I want to get into that for sure. I want to start unpackaging that, but I want to kind of learn about the formative years for Peter Wynn. You know, like where do we start? Yeah. So, um, what did your dad teach you about business and about operations? Because it, it I mean, I'm sure there must be some unlying. Like, what, like what goes through your mind when I ask you this question? Uh, he just taught me not really like uh, just work ethic is the most part. Uh, he he led by example. My dad is my role model. Uh, he showed me, you know, when I when I was first working, he's like, you, if you're owning a business, you got to be the first one to come in and first one to leave. And it's kind of that sense of you know own own what you be be an owner and okay. be accountable for yep. everything. Um. What were the things as far as like, I mean, absolutely, when it comes to the leadership, 100%, I can't disagree with that statement. Uh, what about operations? Operations, uh, he really didn't get to that part with me. I had to learn that on my own because um, for him, uh, he waited a very long time. It was hard for him to like let go of that responsibility to really like run it 100%. He just kind of kept one foot in, one foot out. He didn't he didn't know when he wasn't sure cuz it's uh it's like owning a business and then you hire a manager and you're about to let him run the whole thing 100%. It's kind of like the owner is like very uh, like scared almost. Yeah. It's their baby. Cuz it's yeah, he don't want no mistakes to happen. So what things did your dad do to make sure that you ran it the same way as him? Uh Constantly check up on me. <laughs> what does that look like? You mean like at, when I had the restaurant or like... So eventually your dad would give you... Like you, you started working there when you were 11, right? Mm-hmm. Was he there every day with you? Or yeah, you, yeah. Okay. Um, would he, did he slowly delegate and give you more and more responsibility as you got older? Yeah. Like I said, um, at the end of my high school education, about senior year, and then that's when he put a little bit more responsibility, but not too much. Okay. Um, when, okay, let's talk about your mom a little bit. So did you learn, what, so she was, was she running these businesses when you were around this time, this age, 11, 11 years old? Uh, no, I, I have bad memory, but I, I believe right around that time she was either working in nail salons or might've owned one at that time. Okay. Did you learn any lessons from her about business? Uh, no lessons. Just, I just, saw the work ethic that they put in got it okay so any other key mentors that come to mind before opening that are worth bringing to the service and giving a, a little nod of respect no really it's just my parents <laughs> no i love it it's, 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 <laughs> uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all uh so uh, you, it's just funny because usually there's so much backstory i get to, to, to capture uh with people but that's but that only means that we're going to be able to spend more time on bomby boys and the evolution over the past six years you know and i'm excited about that yeah uh so i'm gonna hold off on taking the break to think of sponsors and get a little <laughs> bit more into this uh but let's go back to that point where and i love this approach because i think there's an underlying lesson here you were working for your parents and it sounds like there was like a, like a, uh, like a 
was describe what what it was just bring us into the actual gas station and what was there for you uh basically just keep it simple we 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 uh ran the ran the ran the front end of the business for them so operationally and on the business side they would take care of that part as in like paperwork and all that those kind of things we would operate it through the cashier make sure the inventory is stocked and uh just handle the sales reps and all that kind of stuff got it uh what about the physical layout of the of the um gas station was there like a a deli in the back like uh some of them did uh long long time ago um there was one called uh car superette i can't remember where it was but it was it was a pretty big store and they had a pretty big kitchen in the back. But I was those are those that was around the time that I was really really young. So the original location remind me the the town that's in starts with an M. Oh, Mattery. Mattery. So the the Mattery location. What was was your restaurant that's there? Because I haven't been there. We're in your newest location right now. Um, describe the like what what that situation was. Was it attached? Is it next door? Yeah, it's it's an it's it's built right next to it. So it's it's physically attached, but it's two separate buildings. Okay, it's physically attached. How's it attached? Uh, we share a wall, so it's like a different. It's like a it's like a different suite. Got it. So it's almost uh, okay. I'm starting to see it now. Um, and when your dad was managing the gas station convenience store side of things, did he also manage the building that was next door? No. What was the building? That, that building was originally a hair salon and a dog salon. So what happened? that all of a sudden there's this opportunity uh my parents they're uh they love to buy a property uh this isn't the first they had a, another restaurant before yes this, right? connect to another gas station that was down the street okay. it was a it was a chevron that had a, a attachment to it and um they ran a vietnamese spot where they sell i think um like po boys fried rice and pho and wings and, and was uh, that one unit one business with like a gas station with like a, like a sandwich counter in the back or was that a separate bill one building two separate businesses one building two separate businesses and there was like it was connected and they had a door that connects to the gas station you could walk through to go okay. to either side is this their first venture into food and business uh yeah i believe so how old were you when they were running that this is uh when i was in high school probably definitely before katrina uh because i know after katrina they they sold that building okay um, were you working in that building ever? Like, were, were you ever a part of like the, the sandwich shop? No. So your parents did have some, were, were they a part of this new venture? Or were they partners with you when you first opened? Uh, for, for bummy boys? Yes. Uh, initially it was a place that I would manage for them, but they owned, they owned the building and they was running it themselves. Well, it was just most, mostly my mom. And then, uh, yeah, I took it over three months later. Okay, so you guys get this new location. I can't remember. I, can, I don't know why I can, can't remember the name of Metairie. Metairie. Thank you very <laughs> much. Um, so they, how long did it take from acquiring Metairie to actually opening this sub shop for your family? Uh, I don't think it was long. Um, I can't give you specifics because my memory is like really terrible. So you opened in 2015. <laughs> Would you say it was like a year before opening about about late 2014 because i know we i established the concept in 2015 but we actually didn't open until because construction was delayed we didn't actually open till may of 2016 okay was there something in you before this that's like i really want to 
own my own restaurant? Was that like a, a bug that you were or a scratch you were trying to itch for some time or did the, was it just an opportunity that kind of like came across you? Well, I definitely had the um, the goal of being a business owner, and um, I went to uh, I went to school for business and uh, majored in marketing, and I always just had a passion for okay. food. I'm a foodie first, and then I enjoy cooking. What were your aspirations? What were your dreams? Like, what reflecting back at this time when you're in college, you're studying business and marketing. What was what was the end game for you? I really it's it's odd, but I, like I grew up, um, I'm a I'm a huge observer. I'm 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 naturally like introvert, so I just I stay quiet and I like look at things and soak it in. Uh, but I would like analyze commercials for some reason when I watch TV and 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 think beyond the commercial and, and go into like behind the scenes, like what thoughts are they going through trying to push this product, what the creative concept or the, the creative process for them. And I would I would play a game in my head and be like, how would I promote this product? How would I create content for this product? And then that's what. I wanted to go through in college. I wanted to actually work behind uh, advertising and and uh, be the creative like director. I'd say behind like commercials and pushing a product. Got it. So we're gonna unpackage that a little bit more because I have to, one thing I have to say about what you've done with Bomby Boys is the branding is awesome, dude. Even down to like the look, like the using the regionality in your brand to combine regionality with cultural diversity. You know, Bomby Boys, Poor Boys. Like you put, did you put a lot of thought on that, or did it just come to you? Uh, it just, my mind runs like a hundred miles per hour a day. So it's I mean, just like, like, I'm constantly like just instantly. I feel like you you see that. And if you're from New Orleans, you're going to go, Oh, that's cool. Like, I want to check that out, you know? Um, so, okay. So there's this business that your parents acquire in 2014. Uh, next to it is a nail salon. I'm surprised your mom didn't take that over. <laughs> Did you have to like fight her for it? What do you mean? Uh, no, a hair salon. A oh, hair, hair salon. Okay, gotcha. Even so, I'm surprised your mom wasn't <laughs> like, that's going to be mine. Thank you very much. Uh, was there a competition for that space? Did, like, did, were you the only one that was jockeying for it? Uh, I, did, I don't know, but I know when the opportunity comes, they're, they're on it. Yeah. They're on it. So take us through what like, Do you remember how the space became in, a part of your family? Um, I mean, I was going to school at the time, so I wasn't paying too much of what's going on behind the scenes, but I know... They 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 found that the business shut down, the properties for sale, and they got on it, bought the building, uh, broke it down, new foundation, and and built up. But that that's in itself is another lesson I picked up from successful restaurateurs is they start small, and as space that's immediately next to them becomes available, they slowly scale over time. Uh, they don't get over their skis. They they let opportunity and timing like just line up and like natural progressive slow and steady growth you know there's a lesson there um so at what point take us to the point where you are now a part of this business and you're you're, you're, there's the space like how did the beginning dialogue start where i I transitioned to actually owning it yeah okay so this was uh a little beef I had with my mom. So, oh, get into it. Yeah, because she's um, the way she ran a kitchen was it's an open kitchen concept. So she would be yelling, changing things every day. And I knew that you can't have the yelling. You can't change things every day. You need consistency. And um, yeah, just give me an was, example of things that she was trying to change. She was like, we're doing a dish one way. The next day, add another ingredient or switch up the way we're doing it. And I'm like. The customer just ordered it the day before this way. They, they like just, it. They came back to yeah, get it. Yeah. So you're like, if you're constantly changing it, you're gonna you're gonna piss people off. So, what, you, what was her what was her pushback on that? 
I do what I want. <laughs> you know, uh, I hope mom's not going to listen to this. Shit, uh, so at what point did you start saying, I want to take this over? So it was just having conversations. Like I, 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 I vocalized that, you know, um, these were these ideas that I had. This is what this is the direction I want to go. I let them know, like, this is this was an opportunity we can take advantage of because uh, there. It's an opportunity to introduce a new concept. If you want to do something cookie cutter, it's fine. I told them this. Why is it important to do something different? Because it's about longevity. Why does doing something different help with longevity? Because if you're doing something different, uh, it's, you, what I learned in business, you cornered the market. So one thing my economics teacher told me is when you, when you start a business, sell something that somebody doesn't have. And once you do that, your, your, your chances of success are higher. Unique selling proposition. You, you you want juxtaposition. You want to be different. Yes. You want to stand out. Um, yeah, there's the what your mom was her argument at the time would have been. This is safer. We know that this that our customers want this. That these sell and will break even, right? But are you going to grow? Are you going to scale that? Can you? No. Right. So you said that you had. What were your plans? What was your vision? Like when did you really start to see a vision? You said you had ideas. What were your ideas at this point? My ideas was, wasn't, I grew as I learned as I go, but uh, my ideas just start being creative in the kitchen, do specials, play around with food, which I enjoy. Did you cook at home? Were you a home cook? Yeah, or? I'm a home cook. And, uh, you know, I would just, I grew up, I learned uh, most of my cooking skills because uh, I grew up watching a lot of cooking shows uh, since I was young. I watched a lot of cooking channel, Food Network, like Yanking Cook and all that on PBS. So, yeah. So, when did you finally start to get a little bit of free reign? And I'm, I'm kind of curious, and this is weird, and I should have briefed you during, I always tell my, my guests, like, I want to ask you personal questions, and I'm not trying to be a dick. I'm not trying to expose family, you know, business. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important to get into, I mean, a lot of people get into business with family, you know? Many people who, who are listening to this might have the same similar opportunity where their parents might own a gas station with, like, a sub section in the back. And I think, for the record, if you're listening to this, that is a great place to start your business. I think people think that they need to go and open their own standalone brick and mortar. Start small, you know, like negotiate like this, like a sub line in the back of a gas station and start there and develop your brand there and, and put yourself online. Right. And grow from there. So I think there's a lot to be learned from this, this approach that you took. Um, so in early days, your parents owned this, right? Yes. But at what point did you start getting your name? added to the business like when did you have ownership of bomb me boys or did you have like well how did that transition happen so uh probably what was it called before it was bomb me boys it was, it was bomb me boys so i came up with the concept of selling because they originally went to just there's a pool boy shop across the street yeah their plans is just open up another pool boy shop right across from them to take over the overflow of their business okay and i was and i looked at that and i listened and i was like oh my god that's the worst idea ever but um yeah, yeah. and i was like at least i can interject a little bit of something that's different say let's do by me with it because okay so yeah. from day one it was going to be a poor boy and they're like they're just kind of at this point entertaining you like okay son if you want to do bomb me too we can do that yeah but they didn't think it was going to go anywhere yeah so at what point did you start proving them wrong um i i, I snuck in two specials which is the um Bonan by me and Bonan fries, which is uh, traditionally like a steak and egg uh, sizzling cast iron plate. I don't know if you've ever seen that before. 
but it's uh, steak and oh, eggs too. with pate, hot dogs, spam, or whatever on there. And you have a baguette, you dip it, and I put that into a banh mi and also turn it into a loaded fries. So when you say banh mi, what exactly is a, a banh mi? What does that mean? Banh mi is uh, translate just translates the bread. Okay, so it's like a sandwich. but it's a short slang for yeah. Is it, is it a type of bread? Uh, yeah, French French roll, French baguette. Got it. So when you put it in a banh mi, you're just saying you made a sandwich out of this. Yeah, but it's very Korean driven, Korean like focused. What do you mean? Not Korean, sorry, Vietnamese. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so, is that safe to say? Like, so you're you're kind of doing like a fusion of like your culture, your heritage, in with a, an approach of uh, poor boy. Yes. Um, so when you first when you launched that first Vietnamese special, the, the Bombie special, like how do people receive it? People were excited. Also, with the, I had that one, and because uh, I wanted to do both sides, so I had that as a banh mi special, loaded fries special, and then I had the oyster Rockefellers po' boy with the oyster Rockefeller fries, which is kind of like a play on the char grilled char grilled oysters down here, yeah. and turning into a sandwich and a loaded fry. Got you. Um, so I guess at what point are your parents still involved in the business today? Uh, no. So at what point did you kind of acquire that business from them? Um, for a while it was, uh, I just paid rent and that gave them, they, once they, once I really like ran 100%, uh, I owned 75, they own 25, but now I own 100% of the company. So how long did it get to you? How many years into the business did you get to that point? 100%. Or even 75%. Uh, 75%. Uh, you opened in probably like uh, two years ago. So 2019. But again, this is uh, this is great. Like th- this approach of you slowly scaling into your business is it's safe, it's secure, uh, and I think people overextend themselves way too often in the restaurant industry. They they go too fast, too soon, too big, too soon, mm-hmm. and they're undercapitalized. Start where you can, and if it's a family business and you want to lever- leverage that that you know I'll, I'll call it privilege. It is a privilege to have family business to be able to grow up in a family that has opportunity for you. Fuck it, take advantage of that, right? Like, yep. take take what you have and, and use that to your advantage. Uh, so, talk to us about the evolution, and I really talk to us like t- take us through your vision back in 2015 and what you wanted this to be, and how like what was the did you have an ultimate vision for it? Is the vision that you had then similar to what it is today? <laughs> no, no worries. So take, take us through. Uh, my just, before you do that, one more quick one one quick break yeah. to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back. Now's a good time. Today's episode is brought to you by Seven Shifts. Seven Shifts is a modern labor management platform designed by restaurateurs for restaurateurs. And effective labor management is more important than ever to ensure profitability and restaurant success, especially with this labor shortage. You need to rely and trust technology more than ever before. And dialing in your labor management is one of the most positive, dramatic impacts you can make on your business's bottom line. And when it comes to labor management, Seven Shifts is one of the most, if not the most, organically recommended labor management platforms on the show. Trusted by over 500,000 restaurant professionals, Seven Shifts gives you the complete toolkit you need to easily manage your team's schedules, timesheets, communication, tasks, tips, and more, all from one place. Best of all, Seven Shifts integrates with the POS and payroll system you're already using like toast to make smart operating decisions and turn labor management into a competitive advantage for your business. Restaurant Unstoppable members get three months absolutely free. Get started at www.7shifts.com slash unstoppable. That's the number seven 
S H I F T S dot com slash unstoppable to get three months of industry leading labor management for free. All right, we're back. And I just asked you the question I asked you before the break was what was your vision then? What, what were you trying to create? And is that vision aligned with what it is today? <laughs> to be honest, I was just going with the flow. Yeah. Um, I, I, my plan was just, just to work on getting everything up to par, like really high standard for the food, um, because the whole concept, which I think why I did great, because it's gas station food, but you hold it to a super high standard and it blows minds of the consumer. So they come in, they're not expecting much, but when they try the food, they see everything then it gets them talking. I think that's what what happened with my business. Yeah, that's juxtaposition right there. You go to a gas station, you're expecting a, a po' boy. Mm-hmm. You're not expecting something like, what do you call it, Rockefeller? Uh, po' boy and Rockefeller you, fires? Yeah. yeah, right? You just don't expect that. Yeah. Uh, and you've, you've, you've continued to get creative beyond that, too. Because you have, like, take us through, like, your, your, your basic, like, bomby menu. Because you have multiple menus, right? I, yeah, so uh, we sell... Um, we sell, we do we do the traditional stuff on the rice and noodle plates. Uh, I do wings, loaded fries, po' boys, bun me, spring rolls, egg rolls, crab and goon. The basic fare with you know added twists to the sandwich and the loaded fries and the wing flavors. Got it. And when you were first getting started, what did you want? Th- what did you want it to become? What was your thought then? You, did you really have a plan as <laughs> what it would be? To be honest, no, I didn't. I just I was just playing because it was all trial and error for me, so I didn't want to go too crazy so so this is how it built up so we had the traditional menu i had those two items which did great had a couple people talking and i just continued doing specials every three months so every every three months i would play with the menu see what what can i introduce and then the specialty my fusion stuff is actually all specials that i had that i just made into the menu and then at a certain point i had to stop hoarding these items on the menu and cut it down Okay, so you started with uh, you said two like signature special sandwiches, mm-hmm. and then every three months you would rotate how many new sandwiches? One new sandwich? Yeah. And then over time you'd have winners, and the winners would make it to like the permanent menu. Yeah. So basically, it was just the basic menu with a specials list, and then the specials became a part of the menu. See, this again, I think, is another great example. Uh, and I don't want to put words into your mouth, but like having a minimal viable product, right? And just trying things and, and seeing, getting feedback and like what sells, what doesn't sell. Let's try this. Does it stick? No. Let's try, give it three months, mm-hmm. you know, to see if there's repeat orders. It's a dud. What's the next thing? This one's selling? Sweet. Let's keep, the, let's, let's, you know, let's note that and bring it back later or something like that. Exactly. Was that the strategy? I don't That want was the strategy. Basically, put it out there and get feedback from the customers. And how long did it take you to have a decent sized specialty menu? Like, how long did that process take? Man, when was that? Um, probably two years in. Two years in. You and how how big is that menu? Like, what what did it get to? What like after two years? How many options were on the specialty menu? I think uh, we have around ten or twelve. Okay. Um, and at this point, are you starting to feel like two years in? You're like you're starting to get your identity. Like, did you have a sense of identity at this point? Your brand. Yeah. So yeah, definitely transition to the you know the fusion by me. Um, I take a lot of uh, my cuisine concepts from like Southern food and Asian food. I'm I'm curious because I know uh, the Vietnamese kind of started to come to America like a lot in like the 80s, right? Um, is that true? Like, wasn't there like a didn't this area kind of boom in that population? 
Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I did a little bit of research, but I don't really know the history of. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of enemies came over during uh, the fall of Saigon. Okay. So there's a, a market here is what I'm trying to get at. For, and this time, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing there was an underserved market. Does that, was that going through your mind at all? Uh, specifically, I don't know. Yeah, what was the question? Well, I don't even really know, <laughs> but I, I know that there was an underserved market because there was an influx of Vietnamese that came to Houston, the Gulf. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, during yeah. that time because i know in houston there was a big wave of of immigrants that came mm-hmm. around that time too so i guess what i'm going at, like were you aware of an of an underserved market of people that would be able to resonate with bami and vietnamese cuisine that like people who wanted a taste of home was that playing in your mind no you talking about for vietnamese in general yeah uh no i'm uh, everybody here uh they already had uh, a lot of banh mi shops uh that already like in the east they have dong phuong and they have uh, Mr. Bubble. See, I'll be honest. I don't know because I'm up in New Hampshire. We don't really yeah. have that. Like, it's not that hasn't kind of made its way up to the Northeast yet. Um, so I was just curious that played into it. Uh, look, ref- reflecting back on that first two years, what were your biggest challenges? What were the biggest pain points for you? Struggles you had? Struggles I had was, I'd say the number one struggles for me is finding the right people to uh, to work. Staff is is a huge is a huge challenge. So when you first started, what was the operation? Who was there? <laughs> it was me, my brother, my sister-in-law, and at my time, my girlfriend, which is my fiance now. She was front of house. And she basically, that's how we still operate. Well, I'm out of there. I'm here now. But we, she was front of house. I was back of house. Got it. Yeah. Um, so that's, I mean, not everybody has the opportunity to have family come work with them. And some people say stay away from family. But at the same time, if you can't trust family, who can you trust? Yeah. You know, where do you lie on that line? I'm sorry. The idea is like, do you think, would you, would you advise people to work with family? Um, you have to just be aware of your situation, you know, some, and it's a true test of, because I mean, um, it's, it's tough. It's different personalities, you know, and it's a, it's also sometimes it could be like a power struggle, but, um, it's all about, it depends on the person. It, it's, it's possible. Yeah. But so you said one of your challenges was finding people. So you, you had your immediate family working for me from, from, mm-hmm. from day one. Was it going beyond that? That was the tra- challenge getting new people in. Yeah. I would say at a point we needed more staff. Uh, and then, yeah, we would run through the motions of that. And, uh, because I was, I was a one man show doing pretty much everything, shopping, you, your cleaning, brother, your sister and your now fiance. Yeah, they would. They would just. They would be just, uh, you know, during service. I would be doing all the behind the back end office stuff and running around cleaning the kitchen, deep cleaning, and doing the shopping in the morning before work, and all that. I would like you know, twelve, fourteen hour days. So eventually, you were able to find employees. Were you, did you do something differently to attract these people onto you? Uh, what do you mean? As in staff? You uh, said your challenge early on was finding people to work, right? Yeah, it's easier to find people. It's, it's, it's the challenge finding the right people. Okay, so yeah. you had no problem getting people in. Yeah. So give me an example of the wrong people that you were getting. What would happen? Just people that uh don't care about the business. You know, they're there to just collect the money and go and don't paycheck. care. Yeah, it's a paycheck. And they're not putting the same pride I have into the food. Would you say that's the truth today? Is that the still... A challenge for you or have you found people who care um it's still it's still partially the truth today uh well for for um because you're not gonna get it's it's it'll be you know very rare to get everybody on staff to really be take part as if it was their own because that's what your goal is look to look for but i mean that's 
as highly uh, unlikely. Have you, just, have you? Have you? Have you? Did I cut you short? Did you want to? No, you're you're good, you're good. Um, have you gotten traction, a foothold in accomplishing that? Is yeah, that right now at my mentor location, I have my guy Joshua, um, and it's I, I had him on and. He he takes pride in his work and he runs it like it's his own. So so t- talk to me about. I mean, this is kind of more current time. But when when did Joshua come on scene? Was he working for you at the original location? Uh yeah. Uh he 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 runs the original location for me uh, right now. Um but yeah he came in uh probably like a year ago, and um that was my first time seeing somebody that's that's willing to like wants to grow with me. So he was one of those kinds of guys. And what was different about him from day one that you noticed? Like, what, what what did you learn? Like, what did you do differently with him? Was it just the type of person he is? Or was there something special that you saw in him that you maybe like, get into that relationship? So it was it was pretty easy because I, all I do is I hire anybody and then I just watch what they do without me saying anything. And he would he would be the type to go above and beyond without even me asking. So when you recognize that you had somebody who was of this 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 caliber, this special cut of individual... Did you treat that relationship differently? For sure. Anybody. So I, I reciprocate whatever effort you give me, I give it back. Mm. So when he came in, I see that he's working hard, pay him more. Anything he needs, I let him know. Anything you need inside the business, outside the business, I'm going to take care of you. Because for you to be working for me and putting in that much love and effort, I'm going to take care of you inside and outside of work. Quid pro quo, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's a really important lesson for the listeners. Like what you say, what you do for me, I'm going to do for you. And I think a lot of people, and I'm not saying you're one of these people, but we will say that there's just no good people out there. Nobody wants to show up for me and my business and work hard for my business. But like what you said, what you do for me, I'll do for you. So ask yourself, what am I doing for these people beyond giving them just a paycheck? If they're just showing up for a paycheck, then they're going to, and I'm just giving them a paycheck and that's all I'm doing then that's what they're going to show. That's how they're going to show up. But how can I show up for them in a way that is going to make them show up for me? So it seems like when you started showing up differently for Josh, he like there was like something special that started happening there. And also I'm making big leaps and suggest like I'm suggesting a lot right now. So if I'm wrong, feel free to, to, to tell me I'm wrong. Uh, specifically what? Well, I don't know. Like this idea that like, did you start when you started treating him a certain way because you saw that he had a talent? Do you think that he started owning it because he saw that you were giving him the respect he deserved? Yeah. Um, I mean, we have, we have heart to hearts all the time. He's just, he always uh, shows his appreciation that I just gave him a chance. I guess what I'm suggesting is there a chance that like you saw that there was a, p- a potential in him. So you started showing up for him in a way that was unique that made him feel seen and valued then uh i just i'm just uh you know what i like to do as a i don't like to i mean obviously i'm a boss but i don't like to be too much a boss with the employees i want to have them feel like we're we're almost it's a catch 22 but you know i'm on the same level as them i'm I'm one of you like i'm in the kitchen i show them whenever i'm working with somebody i'm showing them I'm in the kitchen working also. I'm not just a guy that's telling you what to do all the time. So I want to show, I want to lead by example, showing how much work and how much passion I have putting into this business. I want to show you what I'm looking for you to do. Be the expectation. Yes. Yeah. Set the example. You can't ask anything from anybody that you're not willing to do yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned one of the biggest challenges with people. What were some of the other early on challenges reflecting back some of the things that really just were tough for you as an early owner? 
having the energy. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, it's tough. You're 26 yeah. years old, though, right? Yeah, I mean. Do you think that helped? <laughs> You're still in school, bit. too, right? Uh, no, I just graduated uh, probably, when did I graduate? I graduated in uh, 2013, so three years out of college. Got it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, before that, you know, I was just doing work, working the cashier. I did, uh, I worked valet for a while. It wasn't new. It wasn't very active jobs, but you know, when I'm like running around driving physically picking up 50 pounds a day and stuff like that. And you're doing that for 80 hours a week, you know, now are you still doing that? No. So how did you remove yourself from that? Um, just put, put people in position and started, um, making as you make more money you start paying for convenience so like for the longest i've shopped at wholesale stores for years to save money and now i have the the income to pay to get things delivered and things are more automated i mean time is money i think people forget that you only have everybody it's the us all it's like an equalizer no matter how privileged you are how much money you have we all still have 24 hours in a day and it's what you choose to do with that time and if you can offload something to get three hours back in your day to then work on the business and not be trapped in it doing all the work, that's so invaluable. Mm-hmm. So how did your life start changing as you started um, operating maybe more expensively but much more efficiently? Um, how did my life start changing? I was finally able to focus beyond the business. Um, so how do you start thinking differently when you weren't running to the stores? When you, when you were able to offload that responsibility how did you start to shift shift in what sense i guess shift in what you're doing with your newfound time where was your energy going to um going harder on social media now i can do events uh i can uh you know start planning like new items because when uh if you're working all day you have no time to really play around with new things and go shopping and you know test stuff out and uh really plan for the next step of things to to grow because if you if you're constantly in the business you can't really grow you have to be able to step outside and do what you need outside of the business to put more work into that. So I, I like to use this analogy of like shifting gears, right? First gear for mm-hmm. you, I feel like, was you got this space. Mm-hmm. You know, you're there, you're with your your mom, you're running the space, and then you start suggesting some of your ideas. Mm-hmm. Right? That's sh- that's gear number one. What was gear number two? What was the thing that changed? That brought you oh. to like the, the, the pick up speed and momentum. Uh, let's see. Was it delegating responsibilities and increasing cash flow so you could then like get uh, deliveries instead of going to wholesale? Yeah, that and uh, I slowly started uh, putting money back at, uh, into the business to you know, update the look. Cause before it was okay. just gray walls. We had like aluminum chairs outside and tables. And then now we have, you know, murals and, um, and, um, picnic tables. So it was just gray walls and like aluminum tables, but like, how did you start prioritizing how you were going to shift the look? Um, after I'd get off work, go home, sit in my thoughts, <laughs> start thinking about, you know, what, 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 what can I do to take it to the next level or, you know, visually or, um, or, um, uh, culinarily, if that's so, a word. <laughs> you know, as, as far as marketing, and I recognize that you went to school for business and marketing. So what, like, like, how did you, you're like, okay, I have all this free time. Like I, I need to start working on my business, improving my business. Um, your first, it was your first approach visual. Was that a high priority for you? Uh, that, that, uh, 
uh, first priority was really making sure the food came out consistent, looked beautiful, tasted great, because um, in customer service. Because I know for the formula to successful restaurant, you have to have great food, great customer service. If you have that, you're good. So what things did you start doing uh, to make sure the food is more consistent? Did you put any systems in place? Yeah, I put systems in place. Um, make sure, you know, supervising, make sure if they're doing anything wrong, correct it, toss it out, make it again. Cause so how did you, how would you make sh- were you at the past? How would you make sure things were consistent? You're there all the time, right? Yeah, I was there all the time. I would, I would just watch everything, how, how things are getting marinated, how things are getting cooked, and then how, uh, visually how things are getting prepared. But you're not there right out. now. I'm not there right now. Are you worried? No, because I've done it. I've stayed there long enough to now I see the consistency is there. Now I can step out. So you notice that there's that, that repeat consistency. What else? What about when you're not there and there's somebody who's new working? How do you make sure it comes out consistently? Yeah, Josh is my guy. He'll let me know. And what's Josh have to make sure it's coming out consistently? Have you given him any tools? Or is it just that he knows? He, he knows. Got it. Uh, what about customer service? What would you do to start making sure customer service was consistent? Um, You just got to, well... You just gotta have somebody that's close to you that you can trust. I have my fiance, and and she's she's part of the business too, so she makes sure. I, I tell all my staff that works for our house. You know, anybody that comes in, you treat them as if they were family or your friends. And when I want people to walk into my business, I want them to feel like they're walking into my home. Mm-hmm. So when they come in, be hosp- hospitable, respectable, check up on them, make sure everything's good. Yeah, so you knew from day one that consistency was important because your mom was driving you crazy when she was yeah, changing all the menus, sure. right? Um, is there, are there any other like tricks of the trade, things that you know that you can do in your restaurant to make sure that things come out consistently? How do you, how do you make sure those standards are being met over and over and over again? You can't. You really can't. Uh, the, the only way you just, is get uh, pay attention to the reviews, um, have somebody that's your eyes and ears that can report back to you. Okay, so do you... Do you like go out looking for those people? Do you ask them to be your eyes and ears? Like, how does that? No, work? like uh, somebody that's on, that's working there. Okay. Yeah, but paying attention to like the, so the lead person, a mole. Yeah, <laughs> the lead person, like you know, Josh, my guy Josh in the kitchen will let me know if anything went wrong in the kitchen, and my fiance will let me know if anything went wrong in the front, and that it's their responsibility to correct those. So when uh, things go wrong, how do you address that? Um. Well, there's so many scenarios, right? Yeah. So, for example, um, if somebody felt like they got bad service, uh, you know, have a talk to them. What can we do for you? Or foods, you know, getting sent back, you know, reteach them how to, by example, how it should be done. And or they did it right before, but this time they messed up maybe because they was they wasn't paying attention or I don't know so yeah. stuff like that. So one thing I'm, I'm curious about because you said that you were just constantly like once you started getting more consistency and routine, uh, you could start you started making more money. Cash flow was improving. You were being more efficient with your time and getting deliveries versus um, going to doing all the shopping yourself to mm-hmm. save money. As cash flow started picking up, you said you started putting it back into the visual appeal. Uh, what were some of the other, like, so now we're still in second gear, right? Mm-hmm. When did you go with the third gear? What, what happened from that point on to take you to the next level? Beyond the visuals, beyond uh, the visuals and the having standards. And, uh, I mean, would you say that, the, the, that your business has continued to grow since two years in? Oh yes. 
For sure. Um, so where was this? What were you doing to make sure this growth happened? So the key to that success was to constantly create something new and exciting uh, with the special. So I would, I would always, I like to go next level up. So my specials would get even crazier or more, more technical or, or more higher end uh, stuff. Got so, it. For, so for example, like I had one time, I had a, um, I had a short rib that I did a, uh, I had the pho, I made a dry rub out of uh, pho seasonings. And then I would do a short rib and I would, I would, uh, I forgot which, it's been so long ago. But I think I, uh, I sous vide it and then smoked it after. And it was like a 36 hour process. So as you're evolving as a chef, right? As a, a, a restaurant tour and your skills in the kitchen are improving, you're, you're flexing that muscle for the public mm-hmm. and they're, and they're seeing your growth. And I think, so this actually came up in a, a, a book, a guest I recently had on the show, Peter Lazar, the author of restaurant strong. Uh, in that book, he basically is bringing to the surface, the, his restaurant truths, the things that he knows to be true about successful restaurants, no matter who they are from McDonald's to a Michelin star restaurant. And one of the things that he identifies in that book is constant growth. And what happens when you're constantly growing is you're constantly, there's like, it's like just a position. Like you're, you're, you're staying fresh. Mm-hmm. If you don't evolve, if you don't stay fresh, if you don't bring people back and growth brings people back. So when you think of growth, I think people think physically, right? Like, Oh, like you go from a smaller, like four seat restaurant to you blow out a wall and now you have 20 seats and you put new paint on the walls, like that's growth. And that's what you were doing. You were staying fresh. Mm-hmm. People saw that you were growing. But it's also, I think, I think growth, people don't think about in, internal growth, personal growth, right? The details, just becoming better at what they do. Get into, it sounds like that's what you were doing. A, com- a combination of the both. Internal growth. Like for you, the internal growth was developing new menu items that mm-hmm. were better than the ones before. So you always outdid yourself. Yeah. Right? Um, what's going through your mind as I say this? Uh, so Am I blowing I'm thinking internal, right now? Yeah, yeah. I, now, now that's, <laughs> I'm starting to get a sense. Because when I, yeah. I, I, my mind keep, always goes different places. When I hear a question, I'm like, is it like a vague question or is it like a deep question? Like, So I don't know how to answer. But uh, yeah, internal growth. Um, then uh, at that point, also, I was focusing on um, you know, the, the work culture. Um, because... For so long, uh, my expectations when I had everybody in there is like y'all should be on the same level as me. But in real, in reality, you know, you can't expect that. You have to uh, compromise and see where can you meet in the middle because you can't expect everybody to run it as if they were the. What do you owner. mean by same level as me? What do you mean by level? Because as an owner, um, you know, you're you're going above me on. You're making sure everything's top tier, top notch. Everything's clean. Everything's coming out beautiful, but. Also, when you're working, when you're pumping out quantity, it's hard to keep up with that. But I make sure that happens. Like, you know, I make sure everything's exactly how I want it. But when you have a team of people, it's hard to get everybody on that same page. Yeah. Um, but and I think it's important to know on day one that nobody is going to give as many F's about your business as you. Yeah. And you can't expect them to. It's not their business. They, they won't show up to it the same way you will. So what did you start doing to... You know, you first you accepted that they'll never treat it like I treat it, but you said you were improving the culture. You might they might not ever reach your level, but they'll get closer to your level, right? So, what did you start doing to improve that culture? Um, you know, just it's all about give and take. You have to give constructive criticism and find that medium of like telling them what they're doing wrong, but also motivating them to do better and not bringing them down. Could you give me an example of how you do that? 
Um, so I, I, this is how I like to approach anything when I have to tell somebody anything, I guess, in a negative sense about what they're doing wrong. You know, I would explain to them, you know, everything is you're doing great. This, this you're doing great. Uh, you don't have to worry about that, but we need, we need more attention over here now. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to work on now. So you build them up before you break them down. Yeah. Right. And I think, you, I think it's something you probably heard before, even yourself. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have heard it, but it's like a, the, the constructive criticism, like sandwich, right? It's positive, negative, positive. So like you start positive, you give, break them down a little bit, but then you bring them back up again. Mm-hmm. Right. Do you take that approach ever? Um, Probably. <laughs> uh, so, uh, what were uh, some talking about like growth? What were the, the different? So, you talked about fresh ca- uh, coat of paint, putting up murals and graphics. Who's the artist, by the way? The order, the artist is uh, Jordan. Um, I just came across his work on Instagram. I reached out to him, and he did my original one up here, and then he basically did version two over here. So, what was it about his work that you liked? Uh, I just thought it was fresh and interesting. Uh, I, 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 whenever I like travel to like uh, Austin or you know those places, and I see these restaurants, I'm like, man, I love these murals. They like a lot of them put a lot of art behind it, and you know, uh, I'm I'm a person that's uh, I'm a fan of art. Food is art. I, I'm a fan of music and actual physical art. So I wanted to introduce you know creative stuff and visual stuff. Now, is there strategy here with collaborating with local artists who have a certain following? Uh, he, I don't, he didn't actually have a big following. I was okay. just, I, I just came up. Um, I think what I did when I was looking, I was like, all right, I think it's time to do a mural. So I would go to, I would type in Instagram hashtag New Orleans mural, and I'll search through these people. And I, I, his work captivated me. Uh, he's a tattoo artist that actually, this is this like side hustle, I believe. But um, yeah, I was just, I just, I just liked the visuals that he had, and uh, it's a fresh look. I also think it, it, it's saying something when you. Em- bed the the community into your business you know and now jordan's here and he's literally a part of this restaurant like you know like and when you can find a way to include your community to be a part of your restaurant it's then it doesn't it's not transactional anymore like it's literally what are your thoughts as i'm saying this yeah i think it's 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 an important thing because um just like on my original location you know i was a I was a staple in the community, you know, uh, for the, for the longest, our gas station was a staple in the community. Um, we, we was there every day cause we knew people, uh, cause they came in every day and we, they were our friends. They were, they were like family to us. All the customers, they love to come back because they know us, they know our family. They know, uh, we're there every day working hard and they appreciate that. That's why we have them keep them coming back in. It's not just the, the artists that you're collaborating with too. You, you find other ways to pull people into your business. What are some of the other ways, other collaborations? I know of one other. What's the other? The bread. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't do in-house, right? No, I don't do in-house. It's too much work. So why, not just, <laughs> why not just go to a wholesaler? Or not a wholesaler, but like, why not just take the bread that you're, uh, who do you use, Cisco? Like, I don't know, food performance? Oh, from them? Distributor, yeah. No, 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 no. Obviously, it's, you're doing a sandwich. You got to make sure you're on point with that. Exactly. Yeah. But like, you who did you go with for your bread? Same person as the beginning is today. Um, so originally, uh, I, uh, for Metairie location, we, we start off with, uh, Dong Fung, which is a popular East bakery. And then I forgot what happened. It was a hurricane. They were shut down. And then this other Vietnamese lady reached out to me, which she uh, owns golden bakery. I tried her bread and it was just 
her bed was closer. She's literally down the street from me. And and then Dumb Film was coming from all the way from the east. And I think I was like the last trip for them. Oh. So I wanted I wanted to have fresh bread in my, in my restaurant. So they would bring it right before I opened. And, and it, it was great. Yeah. I mean, but I think whenever you can have an opportunity to recognize that if this isn't my lane, like making bread, then why would I do that? Why not outsource? Why not create opportunity for somebody else in my community? Why not support my community? Yep. Right. Uh, are there any other examples where you do that? Um, I mean, for Pope Boys, we use Leidenheimer. Um, What's Leidenheimer? Leidenheimer is the staple Pope Boy bread oh, gotcha. for mo- that most people use. It. Yeah, it's a local bakery yeah. here. Very old got school. Um, so, talking about your evolution, we, we we've talked about this point where you're now outsourcing um you're growing visually you're facelifting your your cosmetics are improving uh you're you're getting better at holding standards you're delegating more what were the other like evolutionary points for you and your as a restaurateur up to this point so my original location did well so and then i had a lot of people so my thing was with my presentation i wanted to make it look like you're walking into uh something that's been already established for years so um, make it look legit out the gate. So at that point, I had a lot of people c- coming in thinking I was a franchise. They thought, oh, where was the original location? I was like, no, this is originally right here. So I knew from that point, uh, that was the go-to to build something up that I can uh, scale with. So so on this note of like looking, treating your little business like a big business, right? Mm-hmm. What were the little things that you were doing in your little business to make it feel big? Um, with the marketing, um, make sure like, uh, digital signage, uh, branding with the logos, um, just the whole experience, the whole I mean exp- branding with the logos. Get into that. Um, so I don't know. I just did, did a lot of studying and taking a look at, um, uh, taking a step back out of myself and looking like out, out the window, outside looking in and visualizing, um, it's hard to describe, but you know, how, um, like how legit does it look? Like when you step out, is this? You can tell this is this is the real deal, or is it just uh, what you call it? Um, I have a bad time describing. No, you're but doing this great. Is, this is my logo right here. So that logo on your hat yeah, right yeah. now. Uh, if you guys are not subscribed to our YouTube channel now, it's a great time to head over there and check out the video so you can see what his hat looks like. <laughs> the, the logo was that the original logo? No, this is not the original logo. So um. Yeah, the original logo, it had uh, Bummy Boy's uh, Metairie in it, and it was a different design. And, I, I you know, I like to... Can you send us the, the, the a visual of that? Original? Um, yeah, the, the, yeah, throw that in the video. Yeah, so my friend, uh, my friend uh, Johnny, he, he did the original logo for me, and it had the... Um, it was a triangle with uh, Bummy Boy's, and it had Metairie in it. And as I grew bigger, and then when I had, I knew I had to be more generalized. I I created a new design to give it a fresh new look, and then I added, just took out the town name and just did sandwiches. Got it. Um, and you went to school for marketing and business. I mean, anything in in that vertical that things that you do here that you don't think other restaurants do commonly that has separated you from the pack. Um. No, not that guy I think of. And also, I'm not that really educated of what all the restaurants are doing. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, aside from staying really consistent with the food, aside from really being attentive to the, the look and the feel of your places, that they feel like a big place, like what about yeah. you're talking about quality, like digital signage and uh, like 
it just this place just is clean. It feels clean. Like new for like things are like I don't know how else to explain it. It feels tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, any other details of things that you think that that you pay attention to in a space that other people just neglect? Yeah, people really neglect the social media social media space. Um, it's it's a big big part of of a business, and also uh, what else? Um, and also keeping things fresh, uh, being very tech savvy. Um, like if there's a new if there's a new thing people are doing, like you know. Or like, um, like I'm trying to. We're, we're gonna be working on an app soon too, to have that for the business. But obviously, as we scale more, that that's gonna happen. But it's also like keep staying up to date with uh, new trends and trying to see how you can incorporate that into the business. So I've, I've noticed that you had pretty good media trend or media exposure. Um, but before, like, I want to get into social media. But you mentioned tech. Actually, no. Let's come back to tech. Um, Social media. What was your strategy? How has your strategy of social media evolved? What was it when you first got started, and what were the things you started to do and you continue to do to this day that's been effective for you? Um, like, a, like, a, there's a thing to where you know people eat with their eyes. So, I, I always step out of myself and and see things from a consumer standpoint and try to brainstorm or or get ideas out to where um, it brings excitement. It 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 emotionally triggers them and it engages them. So give me an example of a, a dish that has ex- executed that well. Um, let's say our Cajun crack fries, right? Um, so that concept came from just regular, um, just a concept of these fries that just had ranch on them with Cajun seasoning. And I was like, let's, how do we make it pop? How do we make it more interesting, make it more colorful? Craving. Yeah. Craveable. Yeah. And then uh, so I was like, all right, we're going to do a load of fries. We're going to do fried chicken chunks where it's like chicken uh chicharrones version um or, or say well chicken cracklings um chicken cracklings with uh you know applewood smoked bacon we're gonna drizzle that with ranch and then top it off with a blend of um flaming hot fries and and pork rinds damn it and, yeah. is this still in the menu yeah it's a menu item oh my goodness you guys hear that <laughs> um <laughs> yeah it's visually popping and it's the flavors are Crazy. So you can't just put something on. You can't just put a bunch of stuff together and be like, that tastes good. You really got to think about the presentation. Is somebody going to take a photo of this and tag it? Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> back to social media and just media strategy in general. I noticed that you have a press page on your website, um, and you have some pretty good press. I noticed that you had Southern Living in here. You had New Orleans Advocate. You have uh, Gambit Eater Vice Saver. First We Feasts. These are well known media outlets yeah are you reaching out to these people <laughs> that's what everybody asks me but actually uh, they, I, everybody reaches out to me it's i don't know what it is i think it's just a, i have something media? interesting for them that's new and fresh and they just love the story mm-hmm. so what is the, what is the story that you're telling them like what is it like what, how is your story selling like how did you do you position the story in a way that is more appealing or are you just being open and honest? I'm just being open and honest. I think it's just the story of, you know, um, the, the New Orleans culture and second generation of Vietnamese Americans. Um, you know, I grew up, this is what I was trying to get into earlier. Oh, okay. Like butchered it, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, 
So yeah, it's just uh, me growing up eating my mom's cooking, and I'm I'm deep in the uh, Vietnamese culture as for, as far as food goes, and uh, growing up also trying uh, eating all these New Orleans restaurants, and it's kind of like I became a product of my environment uh, with the food, and it's, it clashed together, and it just melds well for some reason. It's great. Uh, I mean, obviously everybody knows the part about the French influence behind it, also. So it's like you have Vietnamese French influence, New Orleans food French influence, and now you have a trifecta of all three. I love it. Um, so, I mean, did you notice once you once you were featured on one of these outlets, like that more people would come, or did it like once one person came, like more would show up, or was it like steady over time? It was constantly like probably like uh, ever since then, probably like every three to six months, somebody would contact me. Yeah. Did you, would you notice a, a spike in business thereafter? Oh, for sure. Uh, like, um, whenever uh, two th- two ones that blew, well three the first three feasts blew up big. Um, then I did a um, I did a TV segment with uh, Marcus Samuelson for uh, No Passport Required. That was a, that was a TV one. That one, my I have pictures saved from my camera systems, and it's like the whole building was full to the max. People are lined up out the door. It was nuts. And then uh, I did also a YouTube video with the guy that I watch all the time, Sunnyside. Uh, he does a YouTube channel uh, called uh, Best Food Review Ever, mm-hmm. and it was amazing. When I I, used, I watched them, and then they contacted me. I was like, I was mind blown. That's crazy. So, so regarding social media, we talked about um, just making your food craveable and visual, uh, and being involved. Like I mean, I think when when you do that, you attract this media. Because they're trying to find interesting. Everyone's looking for something new and different. And like there's a wow factor. So are you doing what everyone else is doing? Or are you doing something truly different and that can make you the best? And I, and I don't know. Like, and I'm still kind of unfamiliar completely with it, like the, the world of Bami, right? I don't know. But correct me if I'm wrong, but that you're one of the first people to really infuse Bami with kind of like the Cajun culture. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, I think. Uh, Were there people doing that before you? I think. I think uh, Michael Gulata was the first one. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, with his uh, Mofo restaurant. Yeah, but was that was that a Vietnamese restaurant? Mofo. Yeah. It's, okay. It's what Asian. Oh, got it, got it, got it. So, yeah. was there a little? Uh, did you ever say, "Hey, man, you"? You stole nah. my idea. <laughs> nah, 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 we're cool. We're cool. That's cool. Um, anything else regarding social media that we haven't touched on? That's just good practice. Something that served you well. Um, you know, I don't know. I I think uh, you know, also a lot of popular stuff. When I well now I don't. My original occasion, I don't run the social media anymore, but I just have my input in, make sure they're doing everything that needs to be done. So, who does run social media? Uh, I have the company right now called uh, Ferret Napoleon, and they they run my main page, and I now I run this uh, Bunny Boys Uptown social media. So, what's that? So, did you give them direction? Did you just kind of give them your social media and say go with it? Like, what did that structure look? Just like? Just have a meeting and and let them know what I expect, and if it's something that I don't like or something that needs to be done, I just let them know. Got it. Okay, let's move over to tech because you said that you um, really embrace tech. And I think that this is something a lot of people are apprehensive to embrace tech. Uh, they look at tech as just an additional expense. But what, what's your experience with tech, Ben? Has it been like, why, are, is your, why is there such an emphasis with you and your restaurant tech? Because uh, there's new stuff being done every day. So uh, every time, like, um, like the back end office, they'll have new features or like with, um, 
with our marketing advertising they'll have you, you just got to constantly see what options are being added and utilize them so take me through your tech stack like the evolution of your tech stack back in 2015 what were you using um facebook and instagram for social media yeah what about just general operations oh general operations as in like Equipment, POS, um, accounting. Oh my goodness! Uh, I remember inventory I, management. I started off with uh, Shopkeep off of iPad, and then uh, swapped to Clover. And what are you using now? Oh, I, I'm I'm using Clover now. So using Clover is is. Have you been happy with Clover? Has it yeah, been growing with you guys? Yeah, I'm doing Clover. Yeah. Um. Okay. So on that note of Clover, um. Has Clover evolved? Has have they come out with rolled out new features? Are you embracing those new features as they grow? Are you growing with them? Uh, they definitely do have new features, but it's, it's kind of I pick and choose if uh, if it makes sense for me. Um, but let's just say Clover, they have now that you can do online ordering. But I scrapped that because when they when I turned that on, it shifted. Everything that's in the POS, which is, you know, if a restaurant POS, you have all these little different, it put everything on the online order. So you don't want customers having access to that, especially if we're abbreviating things. They mm-hmm. can't read it properly. Mm-hmm. So I had to go to one, which I use Order Spoon now, that I can adjust the name, adjust everything to where it's visually right for the uh, customer. So what does Order Spoon do? Is it like an aggregator of your, of your menu and does it push to multiple third parties? Uh, order Spoon is, is a basically a third party app on Clover that... Um, you just have your menu set up and now they, you know, you have that DoorDash delivery through it. Um, and it basically, it turns your, it, it's a web page and you turn it to an app. It basically look like an app on your phone. It'll go straight to it. So what is it? So what is it? It's basically, a, it's a, it's an intermediate between your menu and the online interface. Yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> anything else you mentioned earlier when I asked you about tech and how you evolved, what you were using in 2015, you said Facebook and Instagram, how has that changed over time? What are you doing now that you weren't doing then? So, uh, tech wise, well, I say that you have each platform is different. Uh, they have you have you have uh, you have businesses that do the same content across the board. Because now I, I'm I'm slowly getting into TikTok. So you I came to understanding that Facebook is a different kind of demographic of what people want to see for content wise on Facebook. It's also a different what people want to see on Instagram and people want to see something different on. So you're creating unique content for every platform. Sort of. So like, for example, um, for Instagram, obviously they want to see videos. They want to see pictures, but that's on Facebook also. But. Uh, what a big thing is on Facebook, I see that is when you share articles, and then it'll it'll uh, it'll engage them to hit the share button because people love sharing articles on Facebook. Yeah, and then on Instagram. Um, so, what kind of articles would you be sharing? What's your strategy? My own articles. Um, what do you mean your own? Like if you were featured? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got it. Um, so it's more like Facebook is more about like more in- the platform to, to do more of your engaging. On like a more personal, intimate level, whereas Instagram is more about broadcasting. Yeah, Instagram. Um, I, what I like to, what I used to do is like, um, you know, I'm 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 a mediocre Photoshop guy, but I would like to. I be I make memes sometimes. I do a couple of little funny videos, but people like to see that too. So you have fun with it. Yeah, you inject your personality into it. Um, so I think I kind of want to spend the rest of the time talking about like where you are now. So you have your second location that just opened. Mm-hmm. You opened four months ago, you said? A uh, month and a half. A month and a half ago. Um, this this is a franchise. Yes. 
I feel like I'm really like surprised at how fast he went to franchise. Usually people don't make that jump from one location being a sole proprietor to franchising at the second location. What was your reasoning for that? Because I knew what it was like to run just one restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> so, I knew if I did more than one, oh man, I would go crazy. <laughs> so I know there's a lot of challenges to franchise. It's not as easy as people think. Like you need to have things dialed yeah. in, consistent, like to like the T to the gram. Was it hard for you to to achieve that level of consistency with one location before going to the second? For sure. Um, I slowly, I worked on it over time, um, you know, before, um, when, when the first idea of franchising came, that is probably like three, four years ago, I started creating, you know, recipe books, um, operational guides and stuff like that to prepare myself when I was ready to, t- to make that jump. So I'm not behind. So I'm a foot forward on that. So what's, what do you mean by op- like operation books? What are you talking about? It's like what needs to be done every day in it uh, from open to close. Um, but so I was actually earlier when I was talking to you about con- like, how are you making sure things are staying consistent? I was wondering if this was going to come into the conversation. You don't just say, you don't just hover over people and say, do it this way. There's a, it's documented someplace. Right? Documented for a franchise. My location is verbally. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> for my location, is all verbal. Yeah, but uh, yeah, obviously for. But a if franchise. for a reason, if if you get sick or you have to go away for business or like whatever reason, if you're not there, Josh can mm-hmm. say this is how we do it. And if somebody says no, it's done like this, Josh can say, "Here's the operations manual where it's spelled out right here with a photo of what it's supposed to look like. This is how we do it." And then there's like. Okay, there's no argument. Mm-hmm. You guys have that. You must have that stuff if you're. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So, is, does that concern you with going? Or do you feel like no? Because my wife is. I mean, my fiance is there for most of the time, and yeah. she'll she'll be on them because she's serving the food. She'll she'll be like, "What is this? Send it back. It's not supposed to be like that, or something like that." Yeah. So it's all about having at least one person either in front or back that's that knows that you trust. Well, that's why I was really surprised when I, when I saw the second location being a franchise. Cause I feel like it, it takes people three, four five locations of them owning that one location and realizing that as you scale, you can't be in all these places. You can't have your, unless you're a baller and you have multiple girlfriends that are all over the place and yeah, they don't yeah. know about each other. <laughs> like you can't have all of your people that are that close to you at all these places because yeah. you can only recreate yourself in so many people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sounds like, I mean, you just made that leap to franchise. Um, that's the direction you want to go. So you're just identifying yourself as this is what we want to become. This is what we want to grow into. But you're still really, you're a young company. You're only five years into this, six years into this. Yes. So what's your plan? What's, what's the future? What's your strategy? Like what's going through your mind today? Like what's the life of Peter Wynn look like today? Uh, I mean, my, my goal really is to be, you know, my whole concept was to be like, the Shake Shack of Bun Me. Okay. Gourmet, fast casual, and uh go go nationwide with it. So do you what growth do you think you need to obtain between now and when people recognize you as the Shake Shack of Bomb Me when you reach that po- point where people are saying, Have you been to Bomb Me Boys? Like they're the Shake Shack of Bomb Me. Uh-huh. What what has to happen between now and then? Um I'd say we're we're in the beginning stages. We're in the beginning stages. Um we have this uptown location and then um, trying to have have a, a franchisee out in Portland, trying to get that up and going. Um, struggling, looking for a location. Portland, Maine, or Portland, Oregon. Oregon. Why Portland, Oregon? 
because uh, somebody just reached out to me and said, I want to open one up in Portland. What was it about this person that made you think they would be the right fit? Um, just their, they had a passion of the business and they were excited. Um, how long have you, well, take us through that relationship. Because I noticed you put it on the website, so you must feel pretty good about this guy or this girl, whoever this person is. Well, actually, the original person uh, is actually not the person I'm dealing with now. Okay, <laughs> but you, but you want Portland for some reason? Yeah, obviously, because I want my my goal is to try to get at least my foot in on the West Coast to to show that you know or test the market really too, also and see how people react to it. Because, but. Like through the years, I knew also the franchise would be great because I have people that were right by the airport. So I have a lot of people traveling in that hear about me. And I have like people literally from all over the world that message me saying, can you open up in my area, please? Yeah. So. Dude, it's exciting times for you. Like I'm, I'm really excited to watch the growth. The growth, I know it's going to happen. Um, I'm curious with the second location, like what have you learned? What was the, the past year or two years like? So you said three years ago is when you were like, I want to start doing a franchise, mm-hmm. right? What have you learned about what it takes to do franchise well? Or people who are considering the, the vertical of franchising, what have you learned the hard way over the past three years that you can kind of foreshadow for people who are considering this? About franchising. Um, what I've learned is, you know, you got you to gotta vet these people, have a, have a face-to-face with them, learn the type of person they are, and uh, really do they, do they uh, are, you, are there... Are their ideas aligned with yours? Because you have some people that's going to come in and just there to make money. But for me, if you don't have a passion or if you're not in, invested enough, uh, not just financially, but, you know, mentally um, into it, um, then they're not the right person. They have people that has a lot of money that can buy the franchise, but it doesn't mean nothing. And they, they're just there to do a money grab. They're not there to really showcase what we're doing here. What does your business need to achieve that level of alignment of right culture, right values? Like what, what, what things did you create or do you are you going to create to make sure that that happens? Mm. Going to create, um, I need to rephrase that question. <laughs> so are there, are there things you're doing with your business, mm-hmm. uh, in like your operations manual mm-hmm. say, right. Um, that, I, that help you identify who we are. So when other people look you up, they can go me too. That uh, actually, in that point, I, I don't think it would be on paper, but it was just it would be more conversational mm-hmm. with the people because you know, um, action speaks louder than words. Yeah. Um, I had to see what they've been doing, what they plan to do, and trying to test it and feel it out. So, what's this first franchise been like for you so far? You guys are open a few months now. Like, what have the challenges been, or what are, what are the the pros been? Uh the pros been good. Uh, these 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 guys that franchise with me, uh, they're originally just customers. They've been they've been customers for a while, and they just love the concept, love the food. I love that. Yeah, yeah. So I thought that was very cool. And when I met them and we started working together, they they were they were definitely on the same page as me, working hard, uh, had the same ideas, and um, that was a, that was the good thing about it. And then, you know, the challenging thing with this, when you're in New Orleans, um, this building um, wasn't able to get remodeled what much because the structure of it. You have people living above. So, like, in our in our kitchen, we have this big old pole in the middle of the kitchen that we have to work around. Structural like support. That. Yeah, and then uh, my original location is, is an open kitchen concept. Uh, and then it's more, it's more um, 
it's more easy to communicate or get an overlook of everything. This one is divided into three sections. We have the firm house walled off to the kitchen, and then there's a second building behind it that's strictly for uh, for prep. Got it. Uh, anything we have not talked about so far in this conversation, as far as things that you feel like you are uniquely set up and like equipped to discuss, things you've learned the hard way, things that you would you've done that you would never want anyone to do because you realize that there's a better way or just any general advice on uh, general advice is, I mean, uh, a lot of people like to hold back of, uh, really letting go of responsibilities. You know, you, uh, I'd say just jump to that step and feel it out and you'll get to, you got to get your feet wet when it comes to that. Cause, uh, you can't really grow if you're, if you're stuck in the same spot, you know, a lot of people get stuck at that point and, and uh, they choose to just be, you know, working in the business rather than trying to grow it outside the business. So let me know some of the things that you've delegated that have had the biggest impact on your ability to remove yourself from the business. Um, just, just all overall, just um, I used to be prepping all the food. So I would spend, you know, months making sure we're, repeatedly doing the same thing doing it right doing it properly and uh um just just those kind of things i can do office work you know from my laptop uh but um you know just uh constantly making sure the food's right and i think i got lost in that question for a second no just this idea of just delegating the things that you're you're delegating to alleviate the pressure on yourself so you you said just like it's like the day-to-day stuff just operational stuff yeah exactly um so the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. How have you transformed since 2015 as an owner? Who are you today versus the, the man you are when you got started? I'm a whole different man. Yeah? We're from zero to 100. Um, I would say, you know, when, when opportunity presents itself, take advantage of it. A lot of people are scared to take risk or try new things. I would say just go for it and have fun. That's the thing with, with business. Uh. I just like to have fun with it. And then when you have fun and you really just in it to, for the passion, it, it's going to, it's going to grow itself. Yeah. Uh, so again, on that note of inspire, empower and transform, a lot of people will say there's a lot broken with our industry. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. Some stuff of that goes with everything else. You know, there's always a bad thing about a good thing. <laughs> so what are some of the things that you think needs to change about our industry as we go into the future? I mean, we're at this kind of a unique time where we were forced to stop and, we were forced to kind of break the old mold is being broken. Right. And uh, it's Mm -hmm. hard to, as the world evolves, it's hard to kind of get back into the old way of doing things. When we go forward into the future, what things do you think need to change about our industry? Um, I think just, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people put customers first before, uh, staff. I think it should be the other way around because if you put your staff first, then that's going to translate, uh, the energy to the customer when you neglect your staff, then everything starts to go downhill. Yeah, we say that it's so hard to find people in this industry, right? Yeah. So to, to work, but what reason are we giving people to work in this industry? Exactly. There's no reason to come work in this industry. There's more opportunity in other places. Yeah. So what things are you doing here to put your customer or your, your guests, your inner guests, your, your employees ahead of your customers? Uh, I'm just make sure, you know, have talks with them, make sure everything's good. Anything I could do for you that you need me to do, I'm there. Just letting them know that you're there for them. And it's not, not like, here, I'm putting you on schedule. Go work. Give me an example of something you've done for one of your employees. Uh, anything they ask of me, like, let's just say uh, my resolution, one person can't come into work 
and I can't be there either, I'm willing to shut down the business for them, you know, or if they need me there, I need to step out. I need to hop back in like anything that for you, that's going to mess up with you. I'm willing to take interrupt myself to make sure you're okay. And I'm there for you. You, the business doesn't take priority over you. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, I can't fight back. I can't push back on that one, man, for sure. (laughs) And I'm kind of curious, like the world is changing really fast right now. Uh, we're like with the restaurant industry evolving and and adopting newer technologies and the world changing so fast. What are you doing to kind of keep up with that change? Uh, say that again. Sorry. what, what are you doing to keep up with the evolving industry with the world changing so fast? Like what are you doing to be ahead of it? What are you doing to evolve your business with the world we live in? I try not to pay too much attention to that. <laughs> I try to, cause my, my thoughts run crazy, but, uh, I, I just, I just, uh, always in my thoughts at the end, I make sure, we'll, we'll, you know, I just constantly just ask myself what, what new things are happening, uh, and pay attention close and study it well to strategize. Where do you think the industry is going? What do you think the future of the industry looks like? Um, I don't know to be honest. Because yeah. I thought, I thought, I thought. Uh, well, I don't know down here. I thought, I thought ghost kitchens was going to be a thing, but I feel like that's that's not really a thing. I mean, I think it's going to be. A th- it's always going to be around. They're always going to stick around. I think there was way too much emphasis put on it personally, <laughs> just because like people at the end of the day we're still people. We need. We don't like to do business with spirits. Yeah. We like to do business with living people. You know, like. Yeah tangible people we like to bump up against each other you know we need that and I, and you can't replace like there's going to be a need for physical people want to get out they want to be with other people um will the ghost kitchens be around for a long time no. there, i think there's going to be a segment that exists but is it going to be is it going to overtake the rest of the industry no i think, I uh, think so. there's going to be restaurants in the metaverse <laughs> that's you know there's some truth to that though what do you mean by that just, you know, let's get into it. Even though you can't really physically enjoy the food, everybody's getting hyped up about the metaverse thing. But uh, I think it's just the next hot topic. I mean, is it going to be a thing? But at the same time, like, I don't know, man. I push back. I think that these these things are these these digital virtual platforms are going to continue to evolve. But the thing that doesn't evolve that fast is you know what does not evolve as fast as technology? People. Yeah. We move at a very slow linear rate of evolution billions and millions of years we evolve technology evolves exponentially moore's law compounds doubles 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 the human element is a it's a governor you can't evolve fast you can't evolve technology faster than the rate at which people can comprehend and absorb and be a part of that like we are we're we are the resistance you know you we were, we're never going to be able to, to dive into a digital world and experience touch, feel, emotion. Like, it's never going to be the same. And the like, human connectivity, you can't re- I don't think you can replace that no, digitally. No, cannot. And like, that's, that's chemistry, man. Yeah. Like, that, that's, that's, so I don't know. I think that there's, we're going to hit a, a firewall with technology is going to ex- expand at a rate that humans just can't keep up with. And because of that, there's always going to be this vertical of people just wanting to be with people. Because that's what's that's what's going to make us happy, and we're going to figure this out eventually. And people are going to realize, fuck all that shit. Are there kids behind me right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I, I, I just want to be with people. I just want to bump up against people in the physical world, reality. You know. Yeah. So, I've loved this conversation. One more quick break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to bust out a speed round. Today's episode is brought to you by Chow Now, a commission free 
online ordering system and food ordering app helping restaurants feed their hungry customers. Over 20,000 restaurants trust Chow Now for their online ordering. This is because Chow Now helps restaurants keep their profits, own their online experience, meet their customers everywhere, and make every diner a regular. Here's how it works. Chow Now clients get listed on the free Chow Now marketplace. Once they're there, they can meet new customers and take unlimited commission-free orders through Chow Now's app and site. There is no setup fee or monthly payment. Now, this is what I really love about Chow Now. You get access to valuable customer data, which allows you to personalize the experience and the relationship with your guest. In other words, you own the relationship with your guests, something not all third-party ordering apps can claim. And we cannot wrap up this message without telling you about how to level up with Chow Now Direct. Chow Now Direct is Chow Now's comprehensive online online ordering and marketing package. With Chow Now Direct, you get your own branded ordering app for iPhone or Android, email and print marketing, plus POS integration and much more. Because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you can enjoy 30% off the Chow Now Direct annual plan. Sign up at www.chownow.com slash unstoppable. That's chownow.com slash unstoppable. Today's episode is brought to you by Talk to the Manager. Look, nowadays people rather send you a text message than speak to you directly face-to-face. That's just the way people choose to communicate and there's not much we can do about it or is there? Talk to the Manager allows guests to share feedback or ask questions in a way that makes them feel comfortable and is also convenient to you. Don't worry about personal information being shared. Customers won't see your personal phone number, just the number that Talk to the Manager provides. You can even delegate customer feedback and divide the workload amongst your managers. Multiple managers can receive these texts. When one manager replies to a customer, the other staff will see their responses too. What I I personally love most about talk to the manager is that you can fix issues immediately in private before complaints go public online. Many times when people do write a negative review, it's because they just want to be heard and talk to the manager gives them that outlet to be heard before they bring it publicly and drag your name through the mud. Plus with talk to the manager, get issues brought to your attention, whether it's an issue with your restaurant's service product or facility, your guests will let you know whether you want to hear it or not, but this will help you improve using talk to the manager is so intuitive that no technology is required. If you can send a text message, you can use talk to the manager. Show guests you care enough to listen with Talk to the Manager. Head to talktothemanager.com slash unstoppable to sign up for your 60-day trial. That's www.talktothemanager.com slash unstoppable. We're back. And the first question I have for you is what is your it factor, a habit, a trait, or a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success, your strengths? Uh, My creativeness. What is your biggest weakness? Biggest weakness is my OCDness. <laughs> so how does that hurt you? Uh, it just takes a lot of energy out of me <laughs> trying to get things perfect, and it it's, can never be perfect. So I have to. But at the same that. the same time, your OCD has probably served you really well because you're yeah. very meticulous, and that's probably yeah. why at one location people think that you're a franchise. Yeah, I like you pay the attention to all the details. overshoot, overshoot. Yeah. Uh, so strengths and weaknesses, man, they're weird because they're 
sometimes your strength can be your biggest weakness, mm-hmm. your, your biggest weakness, and sometimes your biggest weakness can also be your biggest strength. So it's it's funny. Uh, what's one question you ask or thing you look for during the interview process? Um, I don't really focus on the questions. I kind of read how they react or how they carry themselves, and then that way, you know, their body language. I can kind of see past all that because when you ask somebody a question, they can just make something up. So, yeah. uh, what's your biggest challenge today? <laughs> biggest challenge today is um, this this new uh, franchise. You know, this is double the size, double the staff. So that's the challenge for me uh, trying to work with that because my location is so small and intimate. And yeah. half the size, half the staff. So specifically of, of that, what is the one element of the, the, the scale, the, the different uh, Manageability. Specifically what? Um, Just too, too much law. Too, too much, much, too much to oversight. You need a lot of hands on deck in the beginning process. Share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. So that core value, a way to be, a way to act. Um, Treat people with respect. What is one uncommon standard of service you teach your staff? So this is something that is common within Bami Boys. When you go to Bami Boys, you can expect to get this level of service, but that's not common throughout the industry. Hmm. I wouldn't know. I can't think of anything because I feel like everything's pretty standard, except for like going above and beyond. I like to, because got you have people that's like you know they're doing you know, average. And so you want to tell them, go above me on, so you can at least lift it up a little bit of like, you know, in the service. Do the unexpected. Yeah. So what's something that's unexpected that you guys do? Just like, um, you know, um, so when people come in and they order to go and they usually, you know, wait at the counter and we'll tell them, oh, what, what car are you parked in? Sit in your car, I'll bring it out to you. Yeah. yeah. You know, that's awesome. Uh, what's one book that's a must read that makes a better person or restaurant owner? Um, there's, I barely read books to be honest. Uh, but I, there's one I did start reading that I didn't finish was, it's called a uh, radical cancer. Ooh. Um, what was the biggest takeaway from that book so far? Uh, finding the balance between, um, being an aggressive, uh, boss. Cause you know, a lot of, it's a lot of, uh, talking down. And so you gotta find a medium of, you know, um, letting them know affirmatively, uh, what needs to be done at the same time, not completely shutting them down. Mm. What's one thing you feel restaurant tours don't do well enough or often enough? Um, that's a toughie. Um, I don't know. I guess for the most part, it's uh, the big. It's big. It's big, and with so many restaurants down here, it's, you know, um, being in the field and paying attention to staff and see how they're doing. Being you know? in the field, paying attention. So just caring about your staff yeah like spend a shift and spend a shift in the kitchen and see how people are doing how they're acting towards each other make sure nobody's getting bullied or you know uh everybody's getting treated equally i love it what's one service you've hired or outsourced so this is something that you know you can never do as well in-house as having somebody else come in and do it for you that will make you better and it's worth the money to pay for it because ultimately Mm. you'll make more more in the long run man i was was a one-man show for a long time uh to be honest, the idea behind this question is to help good people connect with good people. So if there's a service you're using, you know, maybe we can send them some more business. Um, 
Yeah, Golden Bakery. Uh, you know, something that you can't do well. That's like for me, for example, is the bread. You know, it, it takes a while to master that. So if you got somebody doing a bread, then you why not? Yeah, know what? You, stay in your lane. Yeah, yeah, stay yeah, in your lane. Your lane's <laughs> putting this up between the bread. Yeah. Let somebody else make the bread. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've recently adopted that has a, had huge impact on your business? Whether it's communication, efficiency, op, uh, profitability, anything along those lines. A uh, piece of technology is um, Homebase. Homebase is a is an app that uh you know you can keep track of uh scheduling you can hire people along with the along with that clover it gives it gives you a lot of data to work with and this is the last question it's a doozy get ready for it I know what it is do you yes so what happens I send you guys these questions in advance. <laughs> uh, but I still gotta act like nobody knows what's coming uh, <laughs> if you got the news you'd be leaving this world tomorrow all the memories of you your work and your restaurants would be lost with your departure with the exception of three pieces of wisdom you could leave behind for the good of humanity and your legacy what would they be and I said it fast because you already know the question three pieces of wisdom <laughs> Three pieces of wisdom. For the record, not everybody reads the questions, so I always. No, I've watched talk. the podcast, so that's how I know. <laughs> but um, three pieces of wisdom is uh, stay, stay, um, stay passionate. Um, always give out good energy, and um, just uh, care about the people more. I love it. Uh, and then uh, technically, that wasn't the last question because I'm going to ask you, who do you respect and admire? And if you found out there are guests on the show tomorrow, you would absolutely be tuning in to listen to that interview. This is how I found my future guests. Call them out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what I, what I respect is people that's really uh, embedded, uh, not just in the restaurant industry, but also in the community. Um, they have a, a guy, uh, Hugh, from uh, Ken. He, uh, he, he uh, ran a ramen shop, uh, but he's, he's shut down right now. I, I'm not sure if he's on back up, but I think he is. But um, Hugh Than. Um, Can you spell his name for me? H-I-E-U Last name T-H-A-N I might be wrong I might be right I don't know But um, That uh, The guys over at Blue Oak Ron and Phil and We're connecting with Yeah them those are cool days. guys uh, They're doing They're doing big things With their business Another guy is um, Chef uh, I believe uh, Jason Goodenough He uh, owned Carrollton Market Um and uh he shut down but now he's uh doing a, a program at the uh Noki uh New Orleans Culinary Hospitality Institute and um yeah he's showcasing stuff over there and uh yeah pay attention to that guy he's doing he's doing great things for the community and that was Jason what was his last name a uh, good good enough exactly that. how i said it. good enough good yeah. enough yeah Beautiful. Uh, thank you so much, Peter. I've really enjoyed sharing your story. You thank really you. are an inspiration. Uh, just a reminder, anyone listening to this, you don't need years of experience to come out here and be successful in this industry. You just need passion and a desire to show up today better than you were yesterday and a willingness to learn and have fun, right? Exactly. I, mean, I was an uh, average Joe before this. so <laughs> yeah, And there is no questioning, my man. You are. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. There we go. Another episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Such an inspiring story. Thank you so much, Peter Wynn. Zero experience to two restaurants and franchising in seven years. That's just pretty impressive, if you ask me. And also, I think the big thing that to pull from today's episode is this idea 
of swallowing your pride take the help where you can get it because you're going to need it you're, you're really going to need it and scaling slowly over time just being a little bit better today than you were yesterday awesome stuff peter thank you for the inspiration so uh tons of stuff happening over at restaurant unstoppable network i hope you guys are capturing uh today's episode early in the day on monday morning because today monday morning we have three events happening in the network at 11 a.m we have our book club we're reading traction if you guys have read that book and you want to discuss it be sure to join us for traction get a grip on your business book club that's today at 11 a.m eastern time we have coffee with eric which is every monday at noon and then at 1 p.m patrick whalen from fifth street group and that if that name sounds familiar it's because he was recently on the show he was episode 843 and during that interview i asked him what's broken with our industry and what needs to change i've been asking that question a lot lately uh trying to you know lean into this idea of transforming the industry he said that uh the wage disparity or, or inequity between front of house and back of house so to overcome that they started something that's called tip the kitchen and it's a it's not just a a, a program they're doing it's a business model and it's working really well for them uh they just give you an example of how well it's working they've been able to generate over a million dollars extra revenue to uh spread out throughout through their their restaurants uh for the back of house and their dishwashers are making fifty thousand a year so this program's working he's joining us at 1 p.m eastern today to talk about how they did it and uh, he's going to share all the secrets. They're going to break it down. He's going to share step by step how you guys can implement this in your restaurants, too. And this is what it's all about. This is the kind of stuff that excites me. So I'm excited for that one. And then tomorrow, Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern, we actually were supposed to have Paul Barron join us last week. We had a reschedule for this week. So he's going to be going over blockchain and what it means for restaurants. That's going to be a powerful episode. See you then. Until next time. Peace out.